Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Beginning to read in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny, deny that thou knowest me. Now keep your Bible open there, for we're going to refer to that chapter um, uh, quite a bit this evening. That's just by and a word of prayer. Eternal Father, great and almighty God, we reverence you. We bow before you. We prostrate our spirits in thy presence. And we thank thee, Father, for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his precious shed blood. We thank you for his doing and his dying at Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that there he paid our debt. Father, we thank you for this company that's gathered together. We thank you for every man and woman, boy and girl, every child that's here tonight, Lord, every baby. We pray, Father, tonight that, Lord, as we go through the scriptures, as we behold your Son, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would saddle our hearts, enable us, Lord, through thy blessed Holy Spirit to be able to see the Lamb of God, to see Christ and Christ alone, to behold him in his wonder and his beauty and his splendor. In all majesty, but yet behold the cross, his work, finished work, his blood, his doing, his dying, one time, once for all, sacrifice that will never be repeated again. Help men and women come afresh and anew around the foot of the cross. Help us to gather around him, him alone. Father, we thank you that you gave your son. We thank you, Jesus, that you came. You went all the way to the cross. You went all the way to the tomb and into death. But we glorify you. You rose again the third day. Thank you, Father. You left us your blessed spirit. And we pray, Lord, that he would move in our midst from seat to seat, from heart to heart, from person to person. Lord, even the believers would be, Lord, helped, challenged, Lord, if there's one that does not know your Son as their Lord and Savior, we pray, Father, that they would see their need of him and see their need of cleansing by the blood of the Lamb. Father, maybe one has been waning, wayward, backslidden in heart and cold in their state. We pray, Father, you would warn them and draw them back again. 
With open arms, Lord, we know you will receive all who will come to you. So we love you and we worship you. We pray, O oh Father, that you would now help me with clay lips and my inabilities to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, to feed it like bread, like you did, Lord Jesus, to those who followed. Help me, Lord, as you broke it to the disciples, to give it to those that are here. And Lord, that they may leave here filled in the spirit, filled in their soul with the word of God. Glorify your son. Glorify his name. Amen. Find the cross. For Jesus' sake I pray. Amen. Our title this evening is a pretty straightforward and simple message. The title is an exclamation and then a question. The exclamation is, I am ready. The question is, are you ready? I'm ready should the Lord call me. I'm ready should my breath leave my body. I am ready should I stop living. I am ready should my heart stop beating. I am ready. Ready to meet the Savior. Ready to stand in his presence. Ready to stand before him. I am ready. Are you ready? That's a question for us tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Should death knock on the door? Are you ready to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior or if you're not ready as your judge? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready because I believe that the Lord Jesus has paid my debt with Calvary. I am ready because I believe the Lord Jesus shed his blood for me at the place called Calvary. I am ready because I believe there's power in the blood and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse me and has cleansed me from all sin. I am ready because of the grace, the sovereign grace of God who called me unto salvation, who drew me to the cross through his Holy Spirit. And I beheld the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, but rather that took away my sins, personally my sins. I beheld, I believed, I received that Christ is the only Savior, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only means and method and payment for my ransom, for my redemption for my salvation. I am ready, not because I'm so good or so great, not because I was so grand. I'm ready because I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And the Lord awakened me, regenerated me to be able to behold the Lord Jesus Christ, him paying my debt in full. And I believe that he is my savior and God tonight. I believe Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of the Father. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is the man in the glory, our great high priest, who is interceding for those that are his. And I believe that he is coming back again. I am ready. I am ready, brother. I am ready, sister. Because of him, because of what he has done, Because of Christ and Christ alone, his doing, his dying, his work and his will, I am ready. Are 
you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready? Notice here a little verse in verse 33 of our reading. Peter turns to the Lord Jesus and he said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I am ready to go with thee both to prison and if I have to, Lord, I'm ready to die. I ask you something. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? You know, whenever we die, whenever we die and that funeral has happened and everyone goes home and our loved ones are left with the mourning, it's then eternity will be starting for you. You're absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Or you're absent from the body and you will stand before the Lord as your judge. Are you ready? Peter says, I'm ready to die. The thing was, Peter was not ready. Peter wasn't ready. Peter thought he was ready, but he wasn't ready. The Lord Jesus told Peter, look at the verse previous to that. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I'm glad of that little word, wheat, in there. Because he says, you're already mine, Peter, but you're not ready. Do you know God has given, the Father had given to his Son, an eternity in the mind of God? You were already his believer. Do you realize that away in eternity past, you were already wheat? You just didn't know it. You're in your sin and your depravity. You were away from God and you were lost. You were worldly and you were carnal. You didn't want to know God. You were absolutely and totally bereft of anything of him. And yet he knew you. Yet he loved you. Yet he gave his only begotten son for you who went to the cross for you and shed his blood for you. He shed his blood that we might be redeemed back to his father. Are you ready? Peter, behold, Simon, Simon, that's Peter. He says, Simon, listen, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. If there's someone I want praying for me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh people say. But Peter did feel him that night. Peter failed him within ours. And that's true. It wasn't his faith that failed. It was his courage. It was his courage. Notice here. Peter wasn't ready, but he thought he was. Am I speaking to someone tonight and you think, well, I think I'm ready. Friend, if you're just thinking you're ready, you need to know you're ready. You need to know you're ready. I remember one time I listened to a certain pastor and he was preaching one time and he stopped. He says, listen, we're all talking about being saved. We'll not know till we get there. I can tell you, brother, I'm saved by the grace of God. And if you're saved, you're saved, sister, by the grace of God. Saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know it in this life with full assurance 
that we belong to him, we are ready. Have you got that in your life? There are believers, they have no assurance in life. You know what they're like? It's like one old Puritan once wrote in his preaching, and he wrote one time that, that those without assurance who are Christ says it's like the goblet in Benjamin's sack when he was sent away from Joseph in Egypt. It was already there. He just hadn't found it yet. He didn't know. And if you're struggling with full assurance of salvation, then tonight, make your calling and election sure. Understand and receive that Christ has paid your debt in full and believe in him who is able to save your soul from hell. Notice here, Peter thought he was ready, but he wasn't. He thought he was ready to die. I'll go to prison even on the death, and he wasn't. I'll tell you what Peter was doing. Peter thought he was ready even against the word of God. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, when you're ready, strengthen your brethren. When you're ready, Peter, strengthen your brethren. This is the way the original text would read this. It's as though we're all here. Simon, Simon, he's looking over here to Simon. And so he's looking this way, and that's Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you all. That's the way it reads. Every one of you. But I have prayed for thee. Does that mean Jesus doesn't pray for us all? No, he prays for all that are his. The idea here is for that which Simon Peter was about to go through, thinking he was ready. The Lord was saying, you're not ready. You know, ministry, position in church. All it says tonight for elders or pastors and whatever it takes, deacons and so on. Position in church and in ministry outside of church. You should be ready. Ready because you've been called to that ministry. And ready because you've sought the will of the Lord for that ministry. And ready because you know you're doing the work of the Lord in that ministry. You know, whenever I was first 20 years now, I'm pastoring. And when I was first coming out, someone says to me, would you like to be a pastor? And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) And I'm still telling the truth. No, I don't want to be a pastor. I just want to go out and be an evangelist. But it was God that called me in. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming, the Lord called me. I wasn't ready. There was a lot to learn. But I can tell you, the Lord must have been praying for me to get me thus far. Brothers and sisters, it's good when the pastor prays for you or when an elder prays for you. It's good when a brother and a sister prays for you. But to know that he is praying for you, well then that's how you know you're going to make it. He is our great high priest, the man in the glory who's praying for his own. Isn't he wonderful tonight? Notice here, Peter was actually against the word of God. I'm ready. Jesus says, I've prayed for you. Oh man, I must be ready. The Lord tells him of his denial three times within hours, within hours of him saying, I am ready. Peter would deny the Lord. He would deny all knowledge of him. 
deny all affiliation with him. Notice, I've called this four little side steps that leads to one great backsliding. So a backslider tonight, you don't fall away all, just overnight, you know. Things start to happen with you. And these little side steps get you further and further away from Christ. Get you further and further away. Then next thing, you have nothing in your heart. There's nothing in the spirit. And everything seems dull and drab and unbelievable. And your belief has gone out away from you. Four little sidesteppings often lead to great backslidings. Here's the first one of Peter's. Four of Peter's. First one, Peter's self-confidence. I am ready, he said. When Christ said, when you're converted, you'll be ready. He likes to go into prison and unto death. Here, Peter, he likes to stick the chest out. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. Ministry takes time. And sometimes we think we're ready to conquer the world. But ministry not only takes time, but ministry takes you to dig deep. To dig deep. Here, Peter, he says, Peter, you're not ready. You have something to go through yet, and when thou art art converted, you can strengthen those coming behind you with the knowledge of who I am and what I give unto you, my spirit, you'll be able to bring those with you. Now notice this. Peter's self-confidence. There's people full of self-confidence that they're going to get to heaven. They're going to enter glory because of who they are. Because of what they've done. Because of uh, their church affiliation. Because they've been sprinkled as a baby or because of something else like that. They think, well, I'm all right the way I am. I I sing in a choir or I do good works and alms and deeds. And uh, and I I go and I feed the homeless uh, every weekend or whatever it may be. And, and, you know, I even, I've turned up a whole lot of times to that Christ Encounters Tabernacle in Guildford. Surely, surely that's enough. Friend, I want to tell you, it is not enough. Coming here every meeting is not enough. Self-confidence. Confidence in church. Confidence in denomination. Confidence in religion. Confidence in ritual. Confidence in, in good works and alms and deeds. Will find yourself in a lake of fire. Notice the second little sidestep. See the, the man and the woman first find, well, I'm, I'm self-confident that I don't have to attend meeting or I don't have to be in the place of prayer or I don't have to be worshipping I don't have to do what we usually do to keep ourselves in the faith as it were you sidestep it's one step out of the road you've taken the next one is Peter's lack of prayer Peter's lack, lack of prayer here's something I'm going to ask every one of us have you prayed today? Did you pray this morning before church? Did you pray around the dinner table when you set your dinner out? Did you pray before you come out? Have you prayed today? That's a sure, far way to know that you'll find yourself weaker and weaker as you walk like that. Notice in verse 46, please. 
of the chapter. The Lord Jesus has been, uh, t- has taken them to the, the Mount of Olives. And there he's, he's uh, under so much uh, stress and pressure. His, his sweat were like great drops of blood. And it says here he kneels down on the ground. But it says in other accounts that he fell upon his face. Pushes himself up and he falls upon his face. And he pushes himself up and he falls upon his face. And he pushes himself up and he falls upon his face. That means he does it over and over and over and over and over again. Notice, an angel strengthens him. Verse 46, he said unto them, Why sleep ye, rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation? Do you know why temptation comes, brother? Do you know why you yield to the temptation that comes to do other things, rather be in the place of prayer, or to be in with Christ and to walk, or be in, in your church? Do you know why? Lack of prayer. See, as soon as temptation comes to your mind, get on your knees. As soon as temptation comes to your mind, get into the closet. If you're in the car, pull it over and cry unto God. And if temptation of your mind is leading you to sin, then flee the temptation. Flee that temptation that would cause you to sidestep on your way and your walk with Christ. Notice here, Peter's lack of prayer. Why sleep ye, the Lord says. Rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation. He's already said to Peter, but I have prayed for thee. Now with all of these men, minutes later as it were out in the garden, he says, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray. Did I not tell you you're not ready? And you're going to enter in the trouble, the temptation. The old saying is, one day without prayer and I feel it. Two days without prayer and my wife feels it. Brother, listen. And sister, listen. Do you see if you're in a place of prayer before the Savior, your wife and your husband, whatever way it is, they'll be treated right by you. Your mindset will be different because it will be focused on him. And what is wrong is a sleeping, prayerless, self-confident church. We're all right, we're the church. Well, dear, help us. Have you seen the state of it recently? Notice here, he says, Why sleepy rise and pray lest you enter into temptation? Listen to Martin Luther. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I'm going to say it again. Martin Luther said that. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I wonder how many Christians here have been holding their breath for a few days. 
Think about it. Their spiritual breath. One old Puritan says a prayer is the soul breathing itself into the bosom of its father. I wonder how many Christians here have respiratory problems in the spirit. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Oh, if the church would understand that the prayer room is not the poor house, but it's turned into the poor house. Mention a prayer meeting, and most won't show up. Mention a prayer meeting, everyone should be in stoking the fire that God will send down his blessing. Here, Martin Luther says that a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Respiratory problems. If I come down and put my hand over somebody's mouth and their nose, wonder how long it take, Michael McNeil, if I'd done that with you, you stop kicking. You're bigger than me, I'll pick somebody smaller. How long would it take? I can't breathe. Yet Christians live day after day, week after week, without prayer. And you expect to do well before God. We expect our lives to do well before God. Peter's lack of prayer brought him into temptation without strength. And the strength that Peter relied on was his self-confidence. You know, see, the closer I get to God, the more miserable I, I know I am. Closer I get to God, the more miserable I, I, I know and realize that I am. The more I, closer I get to God, the weaker I am before God. He lets me see just how weak a man I am. He lets me see my flesh and the depravity that lives in the very members of my body. And oh, but for the grace of God. Oh, but for his wonderful, sovereign, matchless grace. I could never go on. Do you know why many have fell away? Because they have not realized the grace that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't do this. You're right, you can't do it. You've told the truth for once. He does it in you. The perseverance of the saints. He does it and he does it well. Peter's lack of prayer meant that he was still leaning on his own self-confidence rather than Peter praying because he was about to enter into temptation and trusting in the Lord. Thirdly and quickly, Peter's vacillation. Peter's vacillation. If you look at verse uh, 50. Four, please. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Notice, Peter followed afar off. What does the vacillation mean? To vacillate means to go back and forward here and there. Like a wind, a reed blowing in the wind. Blows whatever way the wind goes. Peter says, I'm ready, Lord, to go to prison and even unto death. Then in the garden, he's found land sleeping. 
And then a little later on, whenever Judas Iscariot comes in the Praetorium Guard with him, and there we find in, in verse 50, and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut his right, uh, off his right ear. Notice, he cut his ear off. We know that was Peter. Peter took a sword and lopped his ear off. Notice I'm vacillating. I'm ready to go with thee. Both in the prison and on to death. Now I'm lying sleeping. Now they're coming. I'll get the sword out and I'll lop off his ear. And now we find him following far off. Following Christ far off. It's about like many in our walk, isn't it? We, we think it's our strength. Days is our good days. You know those days when we feel that nearness of the Lord, when the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we're, well, we're in fullness of blessing, aren't we? But because everything is going right. But what when everything, what about when everything goes wrong? What about when you're feeling at your weakest? What about when you're, you're thinking wrong and, and you're feeling that you're most sinful and, and you're, you're needing uh, some help and you look to everywhere else to blame everyone else rather than getting on your knees to do praying than follow Christ afar. Stand up for the battle. And rather than follow Christ afar off, walk with him step by step, not before him, but with him as he leads and he guides. Notice here, Peter's vacillation. Then they took him, that is the Lord Jesus, and led him and brought him into the house of the high, uh, pardon me, into the high priest's house. And Peter followed him afar off. Fourthly, lastly, Peter's fellowship. Peter's fellowship. Let your eye run down. Again, please, to verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. That's Peter's fellowship. Peter sat down among them. Notice here, Matthew's account, Matthew 14 and 54, he says, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. That's what Matthew says. You can't expect to warm yourself at the devil's fire and not get burned. Oh, just once, sure, it doesn't hurt. Just the once. Just once. Notice. If one or just once doesn't hurt, in Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Peter walked until he stood. As they lit the fire, then he sat with them doing everything opposite that the psalmist had said under the unction of the Spirit. And he said he was ready. Could you be wrong that you're not ready to meet the Lord? Could you be wrong that you're not ready because your, your confidence is in someone or something else other than Christ alone? Peter. 
Peter warms himself at the fire. Peter sat with them. Not only warmed himself at the fire, and this is what I had written just as I, I read that afresh during the week. I wrote this. I'd rather be out in the cold and having Christ near than sitting at the fires of the world denying him. I'd rather be the last man standing having Christ in my life and walking with the Savior and be the last man out of step with the world than rather walk with the world and deny the one who bought me with his precious blood. Ah, once won't hurt. Tell that once then, that when Peter has warmed himself at the fire, something happened, and to me, it's one of the most dramatic, it's one of the most uh, drawing scriptures in the whole of Holy Writ. Look at me at the, look with me, pardon me, at the chapter, please. Notice he denies the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read. Here's his great backsliding. He has the four little side steps. Now here's his great backsliding. Verse 55, please. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire. And earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. Notice this young woman recognize Peter with the shadows of the night and the light of the fire. Peter warming himself, this young maiden, she recognized Peter. And you can be assured as you're sitting in your seat that the world will recognize that you've walked away from Christ who bought you. You'll be assured of it. What happened to you? Remember one time, there was a man and he was involved in a lot of, uh, let's just say troubles, bad, bad troubles. And he became a heavy drinker and he, he got saved and he was going on well with God. I mean, he was going on well. And one day, he was sitting in a bar, fell away, went into the world. He was sitting in a bar and these paramilitaries that knew him came over and they sat one side beside him here and one there right at the bar. And they looked at him. And I'll not mention his name. I'll call him Alistair. It wasn't you, but I'll just call him Alistair. <laughs> and they looked at him. And he says, all right, fellas. And this is what they said. What are you doing here? Unsaved men. What are you doing here? Well, fellas, I just fell away. They almost got violent with him. I'll tell you, this is the truth. They almost got violent with them. They were so disappointed. You know what they said? We had hope that if God could save you, there was still hope for me. But now my hope is gone, they said in the bar. This young woman says, you were with him. You were with him. You were with the Christ. Notice what he says. And he denied him, verse 57, saying, Woman, I know him not. 
Now, if that was your eye, we would damn him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Here's a woman, now a man. Verse 59, about the space of one hour. He sat long enough, didn't he? About the space of one hour after another. Confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Know what they're saying? His accent gives him away. His accent gave him away. He was a Galilean. Should have been how he talked rather than how he sounded. It should have been about the Christ that he loved rather than his accent from where he came from. Should have been the words he said about the beautiful Christ. It should have been the things that he said about the one who loved him and gave himself for him. Should have been the one who rescued him from the Sea of Galilee when he was sinking in the sea and now he's going to die for him. But he was recognized because he had an accent. Verse 60, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he had spake, the cock crew. Now, here's the verse I was speaking of. And all of holy writ, this gets to me every time I read it. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And the Lord turned. Can you see him? Manhandled and being beaten. Pulling out his beard. Probably throwing him to the ground and picking him up. And this one. Lord, I'll go with you. The prison and the death. I don't know him. Surely he's worth more than that. Surely our Savior's worth more than that, brother. Surely the Savior's worth more than that, sister. Surely the Savior's worth more than that. To those who think, well, I'm ready, and then they fall away for one reason or another. Surely he's worth more than all of that. Surely he's worth, surely he's worth more than the praise that you could muster. Surely he's worth more than the prayers that you could speak to him. Surely he's worth more than all the instruments could ever play. Surely he's worth more than this world could ever afford. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Be enough to destroy you. Must have broke his heart, the Lord's heart. Oh, he knew what was going to happen, yeah. He told him. Sometimes that doesn't make it any easier. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Listen, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Peter remembered, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. 
And when the word converted strength in night, brethren, Peter turns and says, I'm Lord, I'm ready to go with thee. Even unto prison, unto death. Can you see how ridiculous it is now? What's our excuses before God? But ridiculous machinations of man's mind and depraved heart. Thomas Brooks, the Puritan, said, Those sins that seem most sweet in life will prove most bitter in death. I want you to catch it. I want you to catch it. Those sins that seem most sweet in life will prove most bitter in death. Puritan Daniel Chaudhry, listen to what he says. As a man may die as well by a fly choking him, as by a lion devouring him, so likewise little sins will sink a man to hell as soon as great sins. Where's your steps? Self-confidence, Luke. Where's your lack of prayer? See, it's getting further away. Oh, I'll move this way. Soon, sooner or later, Christ is... Far away. The backsliding is, I don't know him. I'm not walking with him anymore. I'm just going. And the words go on. Was that not him that used to walk with Jesus? Was that not her that used to walk close to him? Well, someone might say, at least he tried. He walked far. No, he didn't listen. That's the problem. You see, the gospel isn't about trying. It's about receiving. Jesus didn't say or ask Peter to try. He told Peter to be obedient to his word. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him three times, that the cock would crow and Peter would fail him. He knew it all, he told him it all, yet Peter still thought, I am ready. Peter's denial is still talked about today, even though the Lord's forgiven him. Brothers and sisters, self-confidence is not full assurance. Prudence Peter became pitiful Peter. Vacillating Peter is unstable Peter. Listen, worldly Peter, certainly not Pentecostal Peter. For in the day of Pentecost, he preached and 3,000 souls were added to the church. Listen, post-cross, after the cross, the resurrection, Peter has this Christ encounter at, at Galilee, reinstated by the Lord. And listen to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Peter writes, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. Make your calling and election sure, he says. Get the assurance of Christ in the heart. Get the assurance, the full knowledge that you're his. 
that you're saved, that you're born of the Spirit, born from above, that you're washed in the blood, that you're covered and you're cleansed and you're clothed with his righteousness. Make your calling and election sure. Notice he writes calling first then election. I'll tell you why. Election is eternal and calling takes place in time. The election was eternal in the heavens. And then a time and a place, maybe under the gospel or maybe in a tent meeting, some of you were saved under me in a tent and some in, a, in an orange hall and some in a mission hall and some in this hall or, or wherever else it may be. Listen, brothers and sisters, you make your calling on the election sure. You see, it's the election brings the calling of God. And we can't tell we're elect until we've been called and we won't be called unless we're the elect. So if God is calling you tonight, then you're his. You must answer and respond. May irresistible grace grab you and lay hold on your soul. I'm closing. Closing. Thank you for your attention. Thomas Brooks, the Puritan. I think this is beautiful. Listen to what he says of his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is beautiful. Short, but really sweet. He says, I am wholly his. I am peculiarly his. I am universally his. I am eternally his. Stephen Charnock, another Puritan, he writes, assurance is the fruit that grows out of the root of faith. If you have been saved that the assurance grow from your salvation. So here, in a couple of verses or so, here is a man with full assurance. The Apostle Paul, Acts 21 and 13, he says, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went. <laughs> You know why? He had that Damascus Road experience. He really, truly met the Lord. You know, see, if you've been saved, you're never the same again. You can't be the same again. Listen to him again in Romans 1 and 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Listen, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God on the salvation to everyone that believeth. Notice, Paul is saying, I'm ready to preach, I'm ready to serve. And he says, I'm not ashamed of Christ. Second Timothy 4 and 6, he writes, for I am now ready to be offered. Here's that time, he said he would die, not at Jerusalem, but at Rome. For I am now ready to, die, to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Are you ready? Are you ready? Whatever may come, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you saved and serving? Are you his? Notice, 
Paul says, I'm ready to die. Here's my last verse. Psalm 38, verse 17. For I am ready to halt. My sorrow is continually before me. Are you under pressure and you feel you can't go on anymore? You're ready to halt. The only thing you're ready for, you think, is I'm ready to halt. Continual sorrow is before me. I'm ready to halt. Help me. Help me. Friend, you're in the right place tonight. Brother, sister, you're in the right place. He loves you. Your Savior loves you. Your Savior bought you with a price. See, you're not your own when you're saved. You're bought with a price. Even with the precious blood of Christ. I'm ready. Paul says, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. That he is able. Not me. Not you. That he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Listen, commit thy ways unto the Lord. Commit thyself unto thy God. And the Lord will bring you through all of it. All the way to glory. God bless his word to you tonight. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.